Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We have some readers, Matthew and Aaron. Would you stand with us as we read the word of the Lord? All right. Our first scripture reading is going to be out of Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. From Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you remain standing as we pray? Lord, we thank you that, that we get to meet together as, as our brother Steve prayed, that, that we have the freedom to gather. And Lord, you do say that where there are two or more gathered, you are here in our midst. And so, Lord, we worship you. We praise your holy name. You are good. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we are on a series, a sermon series called Grow. G-R-O-W, and it is a sermon series about the disciplines, the Christian disciplines, the things that we engage in to grow. And last week we listed some of those disciplines and we said that these things will guarantee our growth in Christ. They will guarantee it. So if you want to grow in Christ, we, we brought up this point last week, if you would like to grow towards God and in your relationship with him, how do you do it? Well, there's really no secret. It's, it's engaging in some of these things like the disciplines. And we listed them last week. And from here on out throughout this summer, we are going to take one or two at a time and talk about them. This morning, we are going to talk about the Christian discipline of doing what we're doing right now. Look around. What are we doing? We're gathering. We're worshiping the Lord. We're, we're learning from Scripture. We are meeting together. I think some people uh, think about church like going to the gym. If you pick a gym, like say you're in the market for, for picking out a gym. We have a gym membership. I've had several throughout my life, different, different gyms at different times in my life. Usually right around like uh, right after <laughs> the first of the year, like everyone else, so you go and get a gym membership. And when you're getting a gym membership, there's things you want to pay for. You, you look at the price. Well, how much is it? You look at the contract. You look at oh, how nice and 
clean are the facilities because it's really all about you. I mean, it, it kind of is. It's just the way it is. It should be. You're paying money. You're getting a service. You're getting a gym membership. Sometimes picking out a gym, you can get into the silly things. Well, like, oh, this gym has a big bucket for the kids and it dumps water every five minutes. Like, that's pretty cool. That's not the reason why we go to the gym, but that's one of those reasons. It's like, well, I guess we'll pick this one over that one. Or, man, this gym has a soap dispenser that smells really good. The other gym's soap dispenser, it doesn't smell that good. That's not why you go to the gym, but it's one of those things that you're like, well, if you're going because of you to the gym, you're going to, to grow and, and, and get and fit. Uh, it's because of you, you're paying money, then that's what you get. But we shouldn't bring that same kind of thinking to picking a church or to going a church. Church is not all about us. If, if it is all about us, then we and our consumeristic mentality can pick a church based upon some pretty silly things. Like, well, this church has a cafe and they sell salads that have gluten-free croutons. I'm going to go to that church. It's like, well, that's not why you go to church. And, and it's part of our consumeristic mentality of picking a church. It shouldn't be about that. We all know that. We know that first and foremost, we gather because of the Lord. We gather to first of all and foremost most to worship him. And then there's this bonus. The secondary bonus is we get to be with one another. We get to serve. And third, it is for us. Like I'm not saying that coming to church isn't part of our own growth strategy as believers. If we gather together, it is one of the disciplines and it is a way to grow. There's some good reasons to choose a church. Churches that are teaching the right word of God. Churches that are bearing fruit. Churches that we can be a part of. And I think about our beginnings as New Life Manitou. Uh, we're now just over four months of gathering weekly. Before that, we were gathering monthly for almost a year. And I think about some of the people early on. I'm looking around and seeing some of you that were here when New Life Manitou was just an idea. And I, I want to honor you and thank you because... Uh, some of you joined a church that you didn't even know what it was yet. I think about Sarah who led worship from cello. She was like, I'm here and I, I could play. I could lead worship. It's like we, we didn't even have a children's ministry yet. The idea of, of a play, we didn't have a place to meet. Like thinking about like when we started gathering and when we were meeting monthly, we were meeting in different places at different times. And, and I just think I'm looking around seeing so many of you that have been a part of this journey because why? Because you're here to serve. Because first and foremost, we worship the Lord and there is this discipline of meeting together and it is wonderful. And I realize that I'm uh, figuratively preaching to the choir, but I'm preaching a message about gathering together and here you all are, especially here you all are on a 4th of July weekend when I imagine there's other places to be in Colorado. So if you could just give yourself a, give yourself a pat on the back. Anybody say that? <laughs> so this message is... Um, to remind us how important gatherings like this are, how important coming to church is, how important corporately worshiping the Lord is. And if we think about it, we can, we, if we fast forward in our lives, we are going to be at different points in our lives a few years from now. Think about where you were a couple years ago. You were probably at a different place, and here you are now. So thinking forward, you're probably going to be at a different place. Some of you might uh, uh, find someone to be with. Some of you might have kids. Some of your kids might be in a, in a different stage of life. And there's, there's reasons 
reasons in the future for you to say, well, church is, is hard now. There's, there's been a life change. Uh, maybe something happened at church. There was a change that you didn't like so much. And, and you're like, well, I'm just going to stop going to that church. And then it becomes a decision. I, I've seen this a lot as a pastor uh, for many years. I'll, I'll see people stop going to a particular church. But then really, that just ends up, they just stop meeting together Altogether, And what I want to encourage us with is the importance of this gathering as a discipline to the Lord. So in the Bible, it talks about church. That's an English word. The, the New Testament was written in Greek, and there's two words. We'll put them up here. Koinonia and ecclesia are the Greek words for what we say is when we talk about church. And there's two parts of church, koinonia and ecclesia. So this is kind of the nerd alert for the day because we're talking about Greek words. Koinonia means... Fellowship, yes, it's in Greek, it means fellowship, the gathering together for fellowship. I think about um, uh, things like meal groups and getting to know one another, that's fellowship. Ecclesia is the formal assembling together. So this would be more, right now what's happening is more the, the official uh, ecclesia. We're gathering together, we're singing praises to the Lord. There was scripture reading, right now we're uh, learning from the scriptures. We're gonna look back at Acts 2 and Hebrews 10. And so this is more the formalized ecclesia, the meeting together. But church should be both. I think about one without the other. There, there's groups that are all about the fellowship. There's some groups that are just all about ecclesia, formally meeting together, and they don't have the fellowship and vice versa. I think back to, um, I'll tell you a quick story. When I was in my 20s, I started a group called Koinonia, which was the Greek word for fellowship. And we got together. We met in, in a person's house, and they opened up their house to us. It was a guy in town who was a realtor. He had a really nice house. And just opening your home to a bunch of 20-somethings, I think about that now. Like, I would never do that. I should do that, but I would never do that. And so this guy, I just thank the Lord for this guy who opened up his house and to a bunch of 20-somethings. And every week, there was a group of about 20 of us, we would take turns preparing a meal, which for 20-somethings, uh, that in and of itself is a pretty big challenge, but preparing for 20 people, uh, there were some disasters, uh, some disastrous meals throughout this small group, but it was wonderful. Our, our full goal was to have fellowship, to invite whoever wanted to come from our college ministry and, and have a meal together and worship. Someone would bring out a guitar and kind of chunk through some just a couple songs, and, and we would read scripture together and talk about it a little bit, and it was wonderful. Wonderful. Talking about uh, a time in people's lives, their 20s, uh, many of those students were uh, college students. They were away from home. They really needed a family. And Koinonia, this small group, was all about that. It was wonderful to be a part of this group. It was so good uh, to, to brag about this group. Um, there, there was a young man that came. He was a very high-functioning young man. He had Down syndrome. And he came to the group, and the group just welcomed this guy. We always let him eat first. We always... Uh, that we would do scripture readings, we would always let him read, and it took a really long time for him to get through the passage, but everyone with just smiles was just waiting patiently as this young man read. Uh, he, we would always engage him, like we would talk about the sermon or the, the scripture that we read at, just in a, in a small group, and we would always engage him. We'd say, what, what do you think? Do you have anything to add, or do you have any questions? And he would always have a question that had nothing to do with what we were talking about, but everyone just smiled, and we engaged his question. And it was, I think about this one time, we were talking about, I forget what passage we were talking about, but his question was, uh, this is totally, I didn't plan to say this. Uh, his question was, all right, so it's called Christendom. 
why is it called Christendom? Is it, is it dumb to be a Christian? And we were like, no. So we spent five minutes, 10 minutes talking about the word Christendom. Someone looked it up. It's just like a part of the vocabulary. And it was just so cool to see this group, Koinonia, engaging in the fellowship of 20-somethings, engaged with each other for this fellowship. And that's what that was. But ecclesia is something else. It's the formalized gathering together, the, the singing of praises, the, the formal assembly. And that is something that's also a part of church. So there's plenty of people that I think like the koinonia part of church. Uh, people that are outgoing, uh, the extroverts among us really love the fellowship. And it could be easy to just start a small group. I think about, uh, there's, there's some groups that I know of uh, that, that just are groups of guys or groups of girls and, and they'll go out to eat and, and, and enjoy each other's company and they'll go a step further and call that church. Like, well, I'm getting together. Sometimes we pray for each other. We usually pray over the meal and we talk about spiritual things sometimes. And for them, that's church. And that's great. That is koinonia, but that's not the full picture. What about the ecclesia? What about the gathering together? What about the formal assembly to worship the Lord and to the right teaching from the scriptures? And there's other people on the other side of that. They're all about just church coming. Maybe some of you in here, I'm not going to point any fingers, but I know I've been in this circumstance at different points in my life of just coming to church, kind of being the ones that come in late and kind of leave early. And you're checking off the box of, of going to church, but you're not engaging in the community. And to that, I would say you're, you're missing something. You're missing something very important about what we call church. And it's the koinonia. It is the, the, the fellowship of believers. To go even further on the Iglesia side, I, I know of people that have told me they proudly, you know, just do church at home and they listen to a worship CD and then they will listen to a sermon online and they'll just kind of do church by themselves. They're, they're gathering together maybe with some roommates or their family and doing that. And that's kind of good, but what about, what about the koinonia? What about the fellowship? What about the full gathering of saints and the formal assembly that, that the, the scriptures talk about? Let's move on to this next point, which is engaging in Acts chapter 2, and it says that all believers were together. This is the main point from this passage that Matthew read for us. It says that they devoted themselves. So it's talking about the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs of the apostles. All the believers were together. They were all together. And this is how the church formed. I mean, thinking about church history going back in time, it's this small gathering that will explode. And here we are uh, 2,000 years later, meeting and knowing about Christ because of these very faithful believers who met together and prayed and gathered together. I think about eating together. It says they broke bread together. They shared communion. They shared a meal together. And this is a very important part of the koinonia, the fellowship of believers. When we gather together, we, sh we share, we're going to partake in communion this morning, as is our tradition every Sunday. And that is sharing a meal together, receiving Christ, celebrating that he is God and he is good and we take him into ourselves. I think about this passage as kind of a side note. 
this passage says that all the believers had everything in common. And this was a pretty big snag for me when I was in seminary because I was like, oh, this is, this, here's the church gathering together. They're doing all these great things and they had everything in common. Should we have everything in common? Should we move to some communistic state where we have everything? It really bugged me as a seminary student. And I had a professor that said, well, <clears throat> you're assuming that this was, um, the golden age of church history, and it wasn't that golden. He gets on, in the book of Acts, it gets into, uh, like, the next couple pages, Acts chapter 5, is when this couple, Ananias and Sapphira, they sell a plot of land, they, they keep a bunch of money back to themselves, but then they make this big show out of giving the whole mon amount of money that they got, and there's something wrong in their hearts because they did this thing of making a big show about it and taking money for themselves, and they drop dead right in front of a bunch of other people. Not a good story. Not like, well, I guess this thing about holding everything in common kind of broke down. A couple other chapters later, chapter 6, uh, widows, the poorest among the early church, were, were women who did not have a family, and they were being left out of the daily distribution of food. So this, this system kind of breaks down, and even though there's, there, there, I think there's a difference between a description of the early church and how they had everything in common. And there's a difference between a description and a prescription of saying uh, you have to have everything in common. That, that passage isn't saying that here for us. It's rather descripting how the early church had everything in common. They really had to because of the persecution at the time that they lived in and how they got together, how they met together and broke bread. And then at the end of this passage, it says that the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. And that's interesting to look at because it is the Lord who adds. We can have great church services. We can go out at and tell people about Jesus. We can do things. Our women's ministry is having uh, stories and songs once a month on third Thursday, and they have women over uh, to a house, and, and they sing songs, and they share stories and testimonies, and the thought is to bring people who would like to hear songs and stories who potentially wouldn't come to church, but they would come to a neighborhood, uh, a house in the backyard, and they would come and listen, and, and, and they would hear the message of people's stories and God doing great things. That's great. We can do all those things, but uh, Ultimately, it is the Lord who adds to our number. And I think about church growth and, and how we are growing as a church, and I praise the Lord for that. And I would love for this church to grow and, and for, for more and more people to get connected if we have place, and I think we're making places. And if we shepherd people well, which I think we're doing, uh, if we do those things, then the Lord will grow and, and we will grow because it is the Lord who does that. Thinking about New Life Manitou, uh, New Life Church, we, have, we keep saying uh, these three things. You've probably heard me say them. Worship, connect, serve. Good. Worship, connect, serve. It's, it's kind of what we say as a church and how we engage what it is we're doing, how we put a simple motto to uh, who we are as a church. And, and first and foremost, the first word is worship. And we took that word very seriously as we were considering planting New Life Church and gathering together saints and believers in Manitou. And this continual thought just kept coming in my mind and, and those people that were with us in the beginning. If we only get together and we worship the Lord, then there is great, 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 great power 
in that. If only we gather like we're doing now and worship the Lord, there is so much power in that. I think some people look at church, what it is from the outside. If someone was like looking through the window, maybe there are people looking through the window right now. It's like, what are they doing in there? Well, they sang some songs and, and then they said something and then somebody gave announcements and then kids left and now they're talking again. And at the end, they're, they're going to sing some more songs and they're going to walk around and eat something. Is that, is that all they do? Yeah, I guess from an outsider perspective, that, that's what it looks like we do. But when we're singing songs, it's not just songs that we're singing. We are worshiping the Lord, the creator of all. And when we are speaking, right now I'm speaking and sharing from the word of God. These are things that have been recorded for us from the word of God. And when we partake and we walk around and we eat of the meal that's up here, we are taking into the mystery of Christ, his body and his blood, and we are celebrating his death until he comes again. There is great power here. Hebrews chapter 10 is the, the next passage that was read. And Hebrews chapter 10 says this. It says, um, <clears throat> therefore, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, it's like a, it's since we have these wonderful things, we have confidence to enter and we have this great priest who is over us, who's Jesus, and skipping down, it says, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us, we've been made new and clean by the word of God and by Jesus Christ. Because of all these things, verse 20 says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And I don't know who it is that gives up on meeting together, but I've seen it over the course of, of my life as a pastor. People kind of in their journey of faith, that's one of the first things that happens. They just kind of stop going to church. And then as the, as the days progress to weeks and to years, we find people is like, well, I don't know if I believe anymore. Well, you know, part of that first step was you gave up meeting together. That is so important. You gave up something that is so important, the meeting together. I think about this passage in Hebrews chapter 10 and, and going back to my college days uh, when I was in Utah finishing up my degree. I was working on, a, I wanted to teach high school biology, which is a great degree to get. If, you ever, if you're thinking about becoming a pastor, get a biology degree. Um, <laughs> But I was doing that, and at the same time, it kind of plays into what I'm saying right now. At the same time, I was, I was, I was finishing up my senior year of a high school biology teaching degree. It was kind of a double major in uh, a biology and education. I was also leading this small group. And yet again, so here's another story of, of these people that lived up in the hills or had a really nice house. He was a businessman, then became a pastor, and he had a really nice house, him and his family. And they let a bunch of college students meet in their house. Like, here's another guy doing this. And we met together and it was 20 or 30 college students, all 18, 19, 20 years old, and, and we would meet together, and we would study the scriptures, and we had no idea. I was leading the group. I, I could tell you, I had no idea what I was doing, and someone said, we should study the Bible, and I said, that's a great idea. Where should we start? Someone said, a book of the Bible, and someone said, uh, we should start in the book of Hebrews. That seems like a great book, so we started in Hebrews 1, and every week was another chapter, and then we got to chapter 10, the passage that was read today, and it was it was just a life-changing time in my life and, and pointing my finger to a particular point, a particular night when we studied this. I think it, maybe it just changed in my heart, but I think the group was overwhelmed with what we're doing. Oh, this is awesome. 
usually college students are doing other things on, on different nights of the week. And here we are gathered together reading this passage about how important it is that we meet together and we should never stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Why? Because it's so important. And there's lots of reasons to give up on the meeting together. I'm thinking about, uh, I realize I'm preaching to the choir. I realize I'm preaching to people that are gathered here today. And so uh, I just think, fast forward in your life, there's reasons that people give to stopping meeting together. I think sometimes there's, just the, the burden of, of driving or going somewhere. I realize some of you don't live in Manitou and there's a, a considerable drive coming into Manitou for some of you and you're here to serve and that's wonderful. And I think some of you have kids and coming to church with kids, like those of you, the families, or if you're single and you don't have kids, you're like, oh, it was rough getting up this morning. You have no idea until you have kids. Like just getting to church is like, that's a miracle. That's awesome. And I think about like uh, all the blessings that we have to come to church. Steve prayed prophetically, I think, over our, our time as it was we concluded worship, thanking the Lord for um, the freedoms that we have. And, and I, I thought about that this morning as I, as I think there's places in this world. There's definitely places throughout church history where people have been persecuted. People were not allowed to meet as we are meeting together. And they did, even though they could have been jailed. They could have been killed. There's places in the world today where it is not safe for Christians to gather like we're doing right now. And any reason that we have to not come to church, I guess in the bigger perspective, we're like, well, at least we get to gather. We do have that freedom to gather together. Let me conclude with reading this verse. It's Matthew 18. It's this idea that I started with. And it's the words of Jesus. And he says this. He says, where there are two or three gathered in my name, there I am with them. What a promise that we can think about right now. For where there are two or three gathered in my name, there I am with them. He is here in our midst. And when we sing and when we pray and we make confession or communion or even afterwards altar ministry, there is the Lord here in our presence. Would you bow your head with me? you quiet your heart with me as we pray and consider these words? Lord, here we are. We're, we're, we're gathered together. And Lord, would, would you take this time and help us realize how important this is to you, Lord, that you delight when we gather together, that you give us commands to, to, to continue meeting together that these songs that we sing are not just mere songs, that these songs are songs of praise and worship to you, Lord. That when we gather and we, we, we go through a line and we take uh, of the bread and we take of the cup, that these, this, it's not just a, a small meal, but Lord, we are celebrating the mystery of you, Lord, that you said, you commanded us, that said, when you gather together, take the cup, take the bread, and, and in my name, take these things into your body. And celebrate the mystery of Christ's death until you, Lord, you come again. So, Lord, as we prepare our hearts for communion, Lord, would you do something inside of us? Would you show us, Lord, that's our prayer this morning, would you show us the power of these gatherings, that your name is holy, that you are worshipped here in this place, and that is good and wonderful. We pray this in your name, Lord. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to say together uh, a prayer. 
it's a, a prayer of confession that, that we pray in order to prepare our hearts for communion. So as we say these words, would you pray them with me in unison? Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought and word and deed by what we have done and what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We are truly sorry, humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen.